Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com The biggest breaking news stories and outspoken opinion. The Breakfast Briefing with Julia Hartley Brewer on Talk Radio. Hello, a very good morning to you. It is Tuesday the 11th of July and you're watching Breakfast with me, David Bull, here on Talk TV. Now, coming up, the BBC's presenter crisis deepens with Director General Tim Davey likely to face a grilling at a scheduled media appearance today. Meanwhile, Ukraine is set to be offered NATO-like protection with Israel-style security guarantees from its most powerful Western military allies. And ministers are spending more than half a million pounds a day keeping thousands of empty hotel beds reserved for migrants as a buffer to prevent overcrowding at processing centres. The time is 6.34 and this is Talk Breakfast. Well, a very good morning to you. Thank you very much indeed uh, for your company. Uh, We're talking this morning, as you would expect, about the BBC crisis. This is day four now of a deepening crisis. All the front pages this morning pretty much focusing on this. Uh, Tim Davey obviously will be addressing the media, a scheduled media appearance, because it's the BBC's annual charter. Lots to talk about. Other stories in the news as well. I'm delighted to say Tom Slater, editor at Spiked Online, joins me this morning. Good morning to you. Morning, David. This is complicated it is. And, and we have to be incredibly careful. And I think what I said to Christo is overnight there have been claims and mm-hmm. counterclaims and it's really important we stick to the facts. Lots of speculation, particularly people I think think at home. Mm-hmm. It, ju- just in terms, just so if you are just waking up, let, let me just run you through where we are now because we do need the update. Uh, claims, so cl- firstly there are ca- claims and counterclaims. Claims made by the mother at the heart of the BBC presenter scandal are rubbish. This is according to the lawyer representing the young person. And it says uh, the the young person sent a denial to the son on Friday evening saying there was no truth to it. 
But the lawyer went on to say the inappropriate article, and I'm using those words advisedly, was still published. So that's one side of the story. The parents of the youngster at the centre of the BBC presenter scandal tonight, uh, this was last night, told how they had spoken out to protect the child. They stand by Mm -hmm. this story. So you've got two completely different accounts. No, exactly. And that's one of the things which is making it even more difficult to land on what potentially happened here. And also, whilst the details of this will take probably quite a a fair bit longer time to come out, it still raises huge questions about the handling of this from the BBC side. I think regardless of what the truth of all of this is, regardless Mm. of when the full details are out, the wrong-footedness, the inability to get a grip on this particular story, I think that's one thing that hasn't changed, even as some of the claims and counterclaims have over the past Well, absolutely. It's evolved over the last four days. I've been doing breakfast Mm. for the last four days, and every day there is a sort of different take on this. And, of course, it was originally a Sun exclusive. And last night, again, you know, the Sun standing by its story. You're right, though. You see, these claims allegedly were made on May the 19th. It's taken this long. The BBC said it launched an internal investigation. Mm-hmm. But I think the question remains is, and many, many commentators are saying this, why didn't the BBC actually suspend the presenter on full pay mm-hmm. and do a proper thorough investigation and then release the results of that investigation? And it seems to me that once again the BBC had its head in the sand. I think that's right. And regardless of what happened here, regardless of whether or not there is any truth to these allegations, it seems like by mishandling this, by creating a situation where it's only because the Sun were reporting it there to investigate it, it's been a mess in either direction. If this individual turns out to be completely innocent, their name has been, or at least has been rife speculation about who it might be, compromising their privacy potentially. But if it turns out to actually have been true, why didn't they act on it? earlier. So whatever way you slice this, mm. the BBC doesn't come out particularly Not well. Not at all. Tim and, Dave will and have a lot to answer. I, I agree. And also I feel very sorry for other presenters uh, who mm. are being dragged through the mud as a result of this and they're all putting out statements saying it's not me, it's not me. We saw all of this happening yesterday. Tim Davey will uh, have this scheduled media appearance. Mm. I mean that will be a bun fight. It will. And the thing is it's ha- how many bun fights has he had to find himself in over the mm. course of the past few years. I mean, we were only just kind of getting past the Gary Lineker scandal or all the other ones which have been enveloping the BBC. His relatively short tenure has been, if, if nothing but, eventful. And that will, again, I think, reflect on whether or not he's got a grip on this particular corporation. Well, I, I agree completely. And just in terms of how, how this now unfolds, I mean, you've got these sort of two warring factions. And, I, I you know, I just reiterate, it's really important that we stick to the facts and we don't speculate. And that's one of the things that, and I've been really taken by this on social mm-hmm. media as you know people are tweeting all sorts of things uh, with allegations and I don't think people realize at home what they're doing because if you commit this to paper or mm-hmm. electronically this is li- or could well be liable mm-hmm. and there's a lot of talk about class actions being taken I think that's a really important point to stress is that people don't realize that when you're on Twitter when you're on social media you're effectively publishing it's like naming someone in a newspaper just on a smaller scale we saw that back with some of the VIP people paedophile scandals over a decade ago now where you had individuals just speculating in public. Some people, actually prominent people in public life, Sally Burke, etc., who found themselves in trouble for doing so. So that's one thing that's worth everyone listening, bearing in mind, is that don't think out loud on social media about any of this stuff because it could be very serious indeed. And don't, indeed and if you don't do post so. photographs and retweet nope. and all the rest of it. Just be very careful what you are doing. And I think those are very salutary words, actually. Uh, shall we move to, to Joe Biden? Let's. Uh, <laughs> because obviously, I mean, it was quite a sight, I thought, yesterday mm-hmm. with helicopters flying in and the beast 
Smiths there and, mm. and him arriving in his Chevy. Um, I, I thought we put on the pageantry really well. I thought so. The red carpet was literally, literally. rolled out yeah. and all of that. And obviously he went and inspected the troops with Prince Charles. It was all the all the great trappings. But um, it was striking, though, especially when he got to Downing Street with Rishi Sunak. That kind of the... Unfortunately, the sort of dodderiness of Joe Biden at this point, him having those cue cards with his points written on them, it did oh, sort no. of underline how, um, yeah, shall we say, the, the different differing age I mean, gaps between the two double premiers. double age, isn't he? It is striking. I mean, Sunak is one of the youngest prime ministers yeah, for Yeah, what's he, 43 or something like that? I mean, you're so right about a... the cue cards. I mean, we all rely on cue cards. I know mm. I do. But, I mean, the fact is, and I was looking at this, but the people, the journalists <laughs> were really struck that he had the words NATO. <laughs> oh, yeah, remember NATO. Uh, oh, Turkey. Yeah, we'll yep. do that one. And then F-16 said another one. Atlantic Declaration. I mean, it, I don't really know what to say about that. I mean, it's the sort of thing that, you know, you can understand if there was a few extra notes, a few facts and figures, a few yes. details, reminder of his kids' names or whatever it might be. But when you've got to be reminded that you're there to talk about... NATO ahead of the NATO summit, something's going a bit wrong. Probably. There is also a great article, I think it's Tim Stanley in the Telegraph, just saying, you know, his notes to himself, yes, you are the president, yes, you are in the United <laughs> Kingdom, and yes, this isn't a dream. It's actually a very funny article indeed. I also wonder what you make of this story this morning about Ukraine. Mm. There's a lot of talk about trying to have uh, accession for Ukraine into NATO. Mm-hmm. Now, the story, and it's moved on, obviously, this is on uh, as the, the NATO summit begins, but the Ukraine to be offered Israel-style security guarantees by the NATO allies. So this falls short of full NATO membership, but it's an olive branch. It is, and I think it was always going to be incredibly unlikely that Ukraine were welcomed into NATO in the midst of this conflict. It would be effectively kind of like declaring World War Three if that was the case. Um, but it does sort of underline, I think, the fact that where NATO was concerned, they dangled membership in front of Ukraine. But for a very long time, it wasn't entirely clear they were ever going to offer it to them, even without this war being a sort of case. So it's just reminded, I think, how much Ukraine has often been kind of led up the garden path by by the West, mm. and often in a way that has been quite uh, difficult for them and putting them even more at threat, unfortunately. Mm. Also, another story, of course, uh, the, the change in Turkey's position mm. about uh, allowing Sweden to, to enter NATO. That's, that's extraordinary. That is really striking, because obviously Turkey were holding out because of the fact that um, Sweden in particular were harbouring various kind of Kurdish militant insurgents um, who, as far as Turkey were concerned, were terrorists or were terrorists effectively. And therefore that was going to seem to be a big stumbling block. But one thing that um, Turkey, regardless of what else you might say about that particular government, is that they're keen to use whatever leverage they have whenever they can. And it seems like in this case they're sufficiently keen. There's even talk of them reopening talks with the EU and so on. So they've got what they want out of it. But it, it seems it, to have it, unlocked their Such attention. a game of chess, isn't it? Always. But also <laughs> I just think what's interesting about that Ukraine situation is we, we talked about it being a stepping stone. But what I hadn't really understood is that if you're not a full member, it's you, you know that attack on one does mm-hmm. not apply. You know, the attack on one is an attack on all. Mm-hmm. So so it is, a, it is a halfway house. And obviously it's sort of to appease them isn't it more than anything I think. It is and it's also that kind of question about what happens after the conflict because that's one of the things about these kind of border wars is that they can rumble on and rumble on and rumble on for a very long time they want that kind of security but it seems like what's being pledged to them at the moment is not drastically different from what's happening at the moment which is that you have individual countries as well as under the rough umbrella of NATO, providing arms, providing logistics, providing help Mm. and assistance essentially but as you say not having that article 5 protection where 
an attack on one is an attack exactly. on all. Exactly, and there are other stories, and I mean, this is the mm. other problem, is that actually Rishi Sunak, we talked about this yesterday, has five pledges written behind him, mm. you know. This that will literally be his epitaph, won't it? And there's another story, actually, this morning in The Guardian about 900,000 older people taken to A&E each year due to a lack of NHS care at home. This, for me, is the big travesty. Mm-hmm. We are failing older people... All the politicians are pretty much not doing anything about it. We need a fundamental reform of the care sector. I think that's exactly it. And that's one of the things that has always been a big problem, not just for the provision of social care, but for the NHS itself. There are thousands and thousands of people, tend to be elderly people, who could go home but can't because they can't get the care that they need there or in the community. And yet successive governments have just done absolutely nothing about it. It boggles the mind, but it's been a problem which has bedeviled one government after another at this point. How do we get? How do we break that? It's too much of a political hot potato, isn't it? It is. I think it's because of the fact that whenever any sort of solution is mooted, it quickly becomes quite unpopular, either because of the spending or even mm. because of the, um, again, kind of concerns about the provision and so on. But I think it really is a nettle that has to be grasped because, as I say, it's not just about making sure that the elderly are looked after, which mm. is really important. The social mm. contract of people who've paid in all their lives. It's, e- it's easy to forget how crucial that is. But also for taking a lot of the pressure off the health service, which is something which surely everyone has got an interest in as well. Uh, absolutely. Thank you very much indeed for the moment, Tom. Very good start indeed. Uh, let's, uh, <laughs> let's take a break. After the break, we'll go through all of this morning's front pages. This is Talk TV. The biggest breaking news stories. An outspoken opinion. The Breakfast Briefing with Julia Hartley-Brewer on Talk Talk Radio. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.